For over half a century now, the United States has had embargoes against one of its closest neighbors. Located just 90 miles off the coast of Florida, Cuba is one of only four countries designated a state sponsor of terrorism by the U.S. State Department. As a result, a total embargo has made almost all trade and travel between Cuba and the United States impossible. But in the past few years, the State Department has eased travel restrictions between the two countries, making it possible, although not easy, to visit one of the most fascinating countries in the Caribbean. And now, NC State students may have a unique opportunity to visit the only communist nation in the Western Hemisphere. The Department of Foreign Languages and the Department of History at NC State have just announced a new summer study abroad program in Havana, Cuba's capital. Students of Spanish, History or Environmental Studies now have the opportunity to visit this fascinating and historic locale, working, living, and studying in one of the oldest cities in the New World. For more information and to apply online, visit studyabroad.ncsu.edu. Applications are due February 7th. For On the Triangle, I'm Jake Langlois. As NC State heads into the winter holiday, the campus becomes very quiet. With almost all students and staff home for the holidays, there's little reason to keep every light on or every building fully heated. The Sustainability Office at NC State has been partnering with the Facilities Operations Department since 2004 to help reduce campus energy use during the break. The Winter Holiday Energy Saving Initiative is kind of a campus-wide effort. So we encourage students, faculty, and staff to do what they can to, you know, save energy. So that's hit the switch, pull the plug, close any, you know, open doors or windows, um, anything that they can do. And then on the afternoon of December 20th, staff from building maintenance and operations will begin to lower the temperature set points in most campus buildings. So normally it would be, you know, between 68 and 70 or something like that. And we'll take it back to maybe in the 50s or 60 degrees. So basically you're, it's not cutting on as much. It's still cutting on enough to prevent things from freezing or things from molding and that sort of thing. Of course, there's some buildings that will stay at, you know, full capacity because they have research in them or they will have staff that come in over winter break and, and that sort of thing. So not every building is included in this, but most are. And then they, the building maintenance and operations along with housekeeping kind of do final walkthroughs through every building to make sure fume hood sashes and labs are, are shut and all the lights are cut off or as many, you know, as possible for safety reasons. Some will still be on. Even most parking decks will be closed during this time. So the lights, they'll do it to save on the lighting. Um, so they'll close them because it will be unsafe if they didn't have lights. And then we encourage people to unplug anything that they can because that also saves energy. Then on January 1st, staff from building maintenance and operations will begin raising the building temperature so that campus is ready when staff and faculty possibly come back on January 2nd. That's Carla Davis, the communications coordinator for the NC State Sustainability Office. 
She explains some of the benefits behind energy-saving practices. Well, one of the first things that we like to talk about is money, because everyone likes to save money, because you're really in sort of a budget cut time, like we all like to save money. So NC State spends a lot of money on energy. Last fiscal year, it was $26.4 million, which I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money to me. And anything that we can do to cut that, you know, will help the university as a whole. So the Energy Management Office on campus works to improve energy efficiency and try to get that number to go down. But of course, the campus community has things that they can do as well. You know, you can only change so many light bulbs before you need people to, you know, actually turn them off or use less energy in other ways. But we're making big strides. So we have um, our most recent data shows that in the last decade, we've dropped 21% in our energy use per gross square foot. This 21% decrease in energy usage is especially notable considering a 16% increase in student enrollment over that same time period. So we're making a lot of progress, so that's really encouraging, but there's always more that we can do. And the energy setback is one way that we can do that. Besides the holiday energy saving initiative, there are a multitude of ways that students and staff can contribute to energy savings year-round. The biggest things that students can do is to hit the switch. You know, if you're leaving a room and you're the last person to leave the room, like there's no reason to leave that light on. So just hit it, you know, off before you leave. And that, you know, they say the lighting accounts for about 15% or up to 15% of energy use. So it can make a big dent if we start doing that. There's also pulling the plug. You know, we have things plugged in. We think when we turn them off that they're no longer using energy. But a lot of electronics, when you turn it off, it really just puts it in a standby mode. So it's still actually drawing electricity. A DVR player is a great example. So that thing is pretty much constantly running, even though to you it's off. So a lot of other appliances and such do the same thing. So if you don't need it over the winter holiday break, or you don't need it, you know, if you don't need your cell phone plugged in, then just unplug it because then you could prevent that unnecessary drawing of power. So they think that can have up to, I've seen statistics up to like 10%. Of, they call it phantom load. So it's like energy that's being stolen without you realizing it. So that's something you can also do. In the winter you or in the summer, like you can do a lot with the adjustment of temperature. And you can research this online. But, you know, during the summer, I think they say that the ideal temperature to keep your house at is at 78 degrees. And then in the winter, it's like 68 degrees. You know, and every degree that you go up or down, you're going to pay extra. You're, you're going to use more energy or less energy. But those numbers have been, I think, kind of the sort of the sweet spots where you get the most bang for your buck. And then students who, we have a lot of students who are involved in research on campus and the fume hood stashes that are in a lot of labs, those use a lot of energy. If they're left open, they can use up to $6,000 a year in energy per hood, because um, it just sucks all the, the heated or cooled air from a room and pumps it out the roof. You know, and it's, it does that for safety. I mean, but if you're not using it currently for an experiment, just shut it, and then you can save all that energy. In addition, there are some simple purchases that will be well worth their cost in energy savings. The smart power strips are a great innovation. I'm not sure if they're available on campus, but you can find them in any other, you know, electronic store around the area. But the way it works is it'll have different outlets do different things. So one is, you know, for something that's always on. So if you need something always on, like a refrigerator or something, that you could plug it on the one that's always on. But then the others, say maybe your cell phone charger or your computer, things that sometimes idle and you're not using, it will actually sense that, you know, the thing is not in use and it will shut it off. So they're a great addition because then you just plug it in 
you set it up right one time and then you don't have to think about it anymore. There's a lot of new technology with light bulbs now. I mean, if you're still using the old model light bulb, now you can go out and get, you know, LEDs. The price of those are coming way down and they use so much less energy and last so long. So those are also a really good, really good tip, even for Christmas lights. The sustainability office at NC State aims to spread the word about all of these energy saving tips. And their main strategy is through the Change Your State campaign. It is designed to mainly it's students so that they'll be more aware, aware of sustainability issues that exist related to water, to alternative transportation, to saving energy or reducing waste, like all these things that if we change our behavior just slightly, then we can have a more sustainable NC State, have a more sustainable world. So we have a website, it's go.ncsu.edu slash change your state. And it has a lot of just simple tips that people can do to make the world a better place. There are events that occur, so every month has a different theme. You know, some months in the wellness month, you know, have events about wellness. In the transportation month, you'll have events about transportation. Um, So, like in the energy month, we did an alternative vehicle showcase in the brickyard, you know, that showed students, like, here are alternative cars that use less fuel and use less energy, you know, just to raise awareness on that. So it varies based on what the theme is. In addition to the year-round campaign, the office is involved with several projects around campus. Recently, a group of students helped design and put together a unique garden right here on campus. Grounds had been trying to plant, you know, any sort of landscaping or shrubbery, but there's heated steam pipes that were underneath the bed. So every time they would plant something, it would just fail. So, you know, what do you do about that? You want it to something to look look good. So it was a horticulture department. They teamed up with a class there. And so students, as a part of their learning, designed a garden bed that could exist on top of those steam pipes. If you, I mean, it's a beautiful piece if you go to it, and it's amazing what they, what they did. But we love when we can connect students with sort of campus problems or opportunities for improvement because everyone likes that real-life application, and the campus is prettier now because of it, and students have obviously learned a lot as well. If you're interested in getting involved with sustainability initiatives or the sustainability office here at NC State, there are several things you can do. You can go to the Changer State website and check out all the things that you could just start doing on your own. You don't have to ever connect with our office if you don't want to. You can just uh, go and just start doing those things. Um, You can sign up for an email newsletter if you want, and that will give you sort of tips that will come directly to to your inbox. We also have a lot of opportunities and jobs and that sort of thing that go out through there. We also have something called PackLink. So I think it's go.ncsu.edu slash PackLink. And it's if you're looking for a real world experience on campus, then we have a fair amount of projects on campus that need a student's help. And if you, you know, would like that real world experience, then you can sort of browse through and see if there's anything you're interested in and then connect with a department on campus to hopefully make campus a better place and then give you some resume experience as well. And finally, if you want to keep up with the sustainability office via social media, be sure to find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash NC State Sustainability and on Twitter at NC State Sustain. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. There has been a lot of controversy in the Rowan and Wake counties for animal shelters. In the Rowan County Animal Shelter, euthanasia by gas chamber has been used very frequently, which many people consider this to be very, very inhumane. Euthanasia by gas chamber doesn't allow for the fast death 
that has previously been believed. It's actually very slow and excruciatingly painful. It takes about 30 minutes for the effects of the euthanasia to be seen. Animals usually begin to panic and will start to claw and fight their way out while breathing in this chemical to their body. The chemical will then slowly begin to shut down the animal's internal organs and will then lose consciousness before they die. There is hope to start a petition to stop the use of gas chambers, and to this day, there are only 10 shelters left in North Carolina that use gas chambers. There are a lot of advocates that are hoping to one day make this number zero. In Wake County, animal advocates are also calling for the resignation of the Wake County Animal Shelter Director, who euthanized 60 cats recovered from a Raleigh home in November. The cats all came from a local woman who is a local rescue group volunteer. Calvin's Paws is an animal rescue volunteer group that places animals in a short-term foster home until they can be adopted. One woman had about 90 cats living with her, and she was no longer able to care for them, so the animal shelter took them in and euthanized them almost immediately. The animal shelter director claimed that many of the cats that they had received were euthanized because of various illnesses. Wake County animal shelters are often functioning close to 100% and often do not have enough room for all the animals they receive. So they partner with volunteer organizations like Calvin's Paws. However, the larger volume of animals that they receive, it's really easy for someone to slip through the cracks and not follow regulations similar to this woman with 90 cats. After thorough review by the Wake County Director of Environmental Services, the shelter has been told that there is certainly room for improvement, but there is nothing that raises serious concern. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Michaela O'Connor. The football team fell to Maryland 41-21 this past weekend in the pack's last game of the season. NC State started out well, scoring on their first drive and taking a 7-0 lead, but that was the first and only time that they would lead as they proceeded to give up 28 straight points to the Terrapins. In his final collegiate game, senior Brandon Mitchell threw for 200 yards and two touchdowns. State ended the year with a record of 3-9, and nine, a disappointing first year for head coach Dave Doran. However, there is hope for the future because of a strong recruiting class as well as some transfers that will be eligible to play next year. Also, congratulations to linebacker Robert Caldwell and Nicholas Sadie for making honorable mention for the All-ACC team. The men's basketball team had a very good week, blowing out a Sweet 16 team from last year in Florida Gulf Coast, as well as beating a previously undefeated Eastern Kentucky team. One of the reasons for their success this week was the season debut of 7-1 senior Jordan Vandenberg. He was able to take the rebounding and defensive load off of our trio of freshman big men and leading scorer T.J. Warren. Speaking of Warren, T.J. became the first NC State player since Rodney Monroe in the 91-92 and season to score 30 points in consecutive games. The basketball team is now 4-2 and and has shown great progress so look for this team to make some unexpected noise in the ACC this year. Their next game will be tomorrow at home against Northwestern. The women's basketball team was very busy this week, playing four games, three of which were in the Gulf Coast Showcase in Florida. They dispatched Davidson early in the week before they lost the first game of the tournament to Wright State, their first loss of the season, before bouncing back to beat Southeastern Louisiana and UCLA to capture fifth place. The women have jumped out to an 8-1 and record in Westmore's first season, the program's best record since 2007. Their next game will be on Thursday at Northwestern in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The volleyball team lost two games against in-state opponents this week, losing to Duke and Wake Forest three sets to one, three sets to two, respectively. Unfortunately, they lost the final five games of their season, which does not bode well for the ACC tournament and beyond. 
However, the volleyball team still has a 20-12 and 12 record and could still do some damage in the postseason. The men's cross-country team just finished up their season at Nationals in Terre Haute, Indiana. The team's star runner, senior Andrew Colley, had an awesome race, finishing in 7th place, which was good for an All-American nomination, and the highest finish at Nationals for a Wolfpack runner ever. Colley finished his career as a four-time All-Conference and All-Region runner and a three-time All-American runner. The team as a whole finished in 28th place. Junior Joanna Thompson ran as an individual at Nationals, finished in 36th place, which was good for her first All-American nomination. The wrestling team recently traveled north to compete in the Journeyman Northeast Duels in Albany, New York. We were able to beat local teams Buffalo and Binghamton 31-7 and 27-9 respectively, but were overmatched by a fifth-ranked Illinois team. They lost that match 26-15, but were competitive against one of the top programs in the nation. The wrestling team has started the year with a 5-1 record, should continue to improve as the year progresses. They will be in action next this weekend at the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational. That's it for sports today, but if you would like more in-depth coverage, please tune in tomorrow at 7 for Pulse of the Pack right here on WKNC. Talk to me. So you can see what's going on. Here's what's going on at NC State. Tomorrow afternoon, head out to any of the on-campus dining halls for a holiday party. Ooh. Beginning at 4.30, you'll be able to celebrate the holiday season the NC State way. That sounds like fun. Now, tomorrow evening, the Department of Multicultural Student Affairs is hosting its annual Kwanzaa celebration. Come out to the Sankofa Room on the first floor of Witherspoon Student Center to learn about the history and traditions of Kwanzaa. The event starts at 6 p.m. with student performances and a feast catered by the Palace International. Well, that sounds great, Jake. Thursday at 7 p.m. is the NC State Choral Holiday Concert at the Holy Trinity Lutheran Church here in Raleigh. Check ncsu.edu music for ticketing and other information. Finally, Friday and Saturday night, catch the Ladies in Red at 7 p.m. in Thompson Hall. The premier women's acapella group will present a night of favorite classics, new hits, and plenty of surprises that you won't want to miss. Saturday at 11 a.m., the Cameron Village Regional Library is hosting a celebration called Fireside Tales. The fourth annual event will feature stories, live music, crafts, and treats for kids and families to enjoy. I love the library. Sunday at 4 p.m. is a Brickyard Brass Quintet concert. The event will open with the NCSU Trombone Ensemble and takes place in room 1103 of the Hunt Library on Centennial Campus. Come with your Christmas spirit for an afternoon of good music. I think we should clarify that it's Brickyard Brass is the group. It's not on the Brickyard. It's actually in Hunt Library. Exactly. It's on Centennial. Don't go to the Brickyard. Right. Well, this weekend at the Campus Cinema, catch Elf showing for free on Saturday night at 8 p.m. For more information on these events and more, go to ncsu.edu calendar. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. <laughs>